Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Three Dumb Fighters podcast. My name is Tom and I am just one of the three middle class white boy voices you are about to hear for the next hour. Firstly, to all those who are tuning in, thank you very much indeed. Secondly, a very quick introduction just to give a better understanding of what this podcast might be about, even if we don't know ourselves. A very simple premise to be honest, Matt, Tim and myself are three friends who have known each other over the span of the last 20 years who needed a valid excuse to meet up and put the world to rights after the pandemic via our completely uncredentialed opinions. Who are we three to make such declarations? You're absolutely right and we couldn't agree with you more. However, if you would like to know more about us individually and our credentials and background, please check out the description below. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the listen. Yeah. You're pretty dumb. Oh, I'm talking about my superpower. It's basically Desert Island Discs without the discs. Who the hell do you think it's? I'm quite vindictive, actually. You're just going to walk around holding the drawing. Yep, cool. Moving on. Whether that's instilled socially or economically or politically, people would eventually adapt to it. The Freedom Fighters podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, first question is if you were a superhero, what power would you have? Tim. You like comics, man. You're gonna be. Yeah, I've uh, this question. Yeah, I've been asked this over the years. I've always had. Um, I'm gonna give two answers because it'd be one or the other. I don't mind which. It's either teleportation or flying. Has always been my go-to answer. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's it's ease of travel, and I think that that's an age thing because I don't think I would have said that when I was a kid. But I think, um, as someone who only learnt to drive five years ago, the the thought of not having to use before I learned to drive, the the, the thought of kind of. Oh, superpower to avoid public transport. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think being able to go and appear somewhere else. Do you know, for a, for a long time, I thought that... Uh, no, okay, two things. No, one thing. That, that first thing one and a ridiculous. half? <laughs> okay. For a long time, I, th- I thought it would be really cool to have the superpower or to have the ability to know if someone found you attractive or not. There was everyone had a little dial on their chest from naught to ten. If you were talking mm. to someone when they first clocked you, if it sort of went to a, like a three, you'd be like, "Well, I, I could obviously as a single person." If it kind of went to a three or a four, you'd be like, "Okay, I might persevere here." Or if it was like a seven, you'd be like, "Fantastic!" You just walk away. It'd just be so helpful when you're in your twenties. If there, were, if you had the ability, or if everyone had the ability to actually discern whether someone actually found you attractive yeah, but then during you, some, with some kind of gauge. But then you kind of lose the ability of, of sort of... You wouldn't, you wouldn't learn through experience. The intrigue and the chase of it. The, yeah, that. But also, yeah. you wouldn't... You would never have it... Because what you're expecting there is that, basically, I'm trying to avo- avoid the negativity of someone not finding me attractive. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, want, I want the freebie months. that tells me that <laughs> so I don't even have to have a conversation to find out I can just see it on the dark yep cool moving on um you know that and it's like I I mean yeah. I, I, I think I think fine if you want that power but I think I think there would be another part of you that would be lost Matt because you yeah. wouldn't have to make the effort to find out for yourself using using the skills you you have at the moment I'm not talking about my superpower I'm just thinking ever in evolution <laughs> oh, yeah, terms. Yeah. Oh, sorry it would be cool if everyone had that ability. Just imagine like all the conversations that you wouldn't need to bother to have. <laughs> or it would also eradicate all those horrible like niggling doubts about, oh, should I have asked, I don't know, J- Jemima Puddle Bollocks out five years ago? <laughs> or when I didn't, 
but maybe she found me really attractive and maybe I should have. Yeah, but you're just talking in terms of trying to get laid. You're not talking about in terms of <laughs> in terms of no, like our no, feelings no. or if there is a connection here. Because yeah. that's the whole point, isn't it? Because because then feelings would then develop over time and things also, like that. He wants, yeah, he wants everyone to have a dial. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, sinister. there is this like <laughs> no, no, no. No, dystopian yeah. fucking Welcome to Mad World. Uh, <laughs> you'll be fitted with your dial shortly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So no, that so well, you, so you'll be called Gauge Man. <laughs> Gauge Man. <laughs> dial Boy. Dial Boy. Um. No, that's not. That's not even. That's not a superpower. I'm suggesting in in sort of evolutionary terms. I think I would just make everyone's lives a lot easier. Right. Okay. I d- I, d- I don't think I need the the hero net because it's like I've I've got the power. I'm I'm. And as I explained earlier, I've got that purely for ease of travel. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I don't really want to advertise it with a name. Going, oh, there goes so and so, man. It's, uh, no. Are you going to like commission a book or something? Is that what you're trying to do? So then we can steal the idea. No, no. I just, uh, I, I, I don't think of doing anything heroic with it. It's just so I can get from A to B really quickly, either through flying. Oh, it doesn't have to. Oh, no, well, this is the thing. Okay, because in fact, because the first thing that came to my head, because you got the, you know, the yeah, okay, I want to fly, I want to teleport, want to blah blah blah, but then what occurred to me was I would like to be able to cause people horrendous, <laughs> horrible feelings, but not in a physical or psychological way just in an annoyance way like i would you know like you know like if you're thinking about okay there's somebody that has done you wrong Mm. or that you know you just despise or you just think you know even to the point where you just i just don't really like you for no particular reason but then you don't want to hurt them you don't want them to die or anything like you know anything sinister or to that level but just things like but you still have the feeling that you want to do something vindictive of addictiveness is there, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Things like when they go to sit down for dinner, they they can never find the TV remote. Just a sort of like you you want to visit on them some some sort of really small domestic annoyance. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, small domestic annoyances are massive. Exactly. Though. Like, yeah. So when like you know you just made your dinner you sat down you're gonna go watch your favorite tv show you go to go turn it on but the remote is always on the other side of the room mm. no matter what every single time every well that i mean that is but it will change every single time so you think oh it's got to be over there but no it wouldn't be it'll be like you know it'll be underneath the cushion or they put it in the fridge yeah exactly yeah. yeah all things like we wake up in the morning and you know you're getting ready for work or you know you know you're getting ready for your mm. day and every single item of clothing has got one leg or one sleeve inside out. <laughs> right. every, every single morning. time. Right, okay. And they can't help it. You know, regardless of the fact of like, you know, the, the you know, the night prior, they would always lay it out in a perfect way. Yeah. But something would happen in the middle of the night. That would that's be my really, that's really quite vindictive actually, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but it's not to the point of where it would like, you know, it wouldn't drive them crazy, you know, it wouldn't Fuck them up, which just make their but lives very difficult. How, how are you yeah. producing? Yeah. Is this something you you the the, the <laughs> that power would work just by snapping your fingers, and it would make it for everything? Would you have to keep doing it so to make sure that all the sleeves are constantly inside? Yeah, out? well, just every night, but like you know, before I go to my, before I go to bed myself, I just go, oh yeah, I forgot, I've got to turn you're, that person's like, shirt inside out. You're a slave to them as yeah. well, though. 
yeah, but that's what vindictiveness is, though, isn't it? That you know, you you um uh, you appoint yourself to making sure that you get revenge. Well, but it? also, what I'm interested in is 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 would you get sort of different length sentences? Would you say y- yeah. you're going to lose your remote every night for a year, or would it be forever? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Well, it depends. What he just but said at the end, before he goes to bed, he's, he's just taking care of business. And yeah. then he'll think about it again the following day. He'll be up for review. And one one day, Tom may feel, may forgive you. See, you, yeah, yeah. You see, I've turned into my own personal god. That's what it is. Or or the devil. See, the devil gets a bad rap. I don't think the, 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 like, the devil's all, you know, fire and brimstone. It could just be that. It could be that. That thing of you know where you stub your you stub your toe like motherfucker every single time, mm. that could be the devil's work. Yeah, that they just like happen to shift the table a little bit closer than which you think it is. Mm. Also, theologically speaking, the devil isn't evil. The devil's temptation. Yeah, precisely. Devil, does, de- devil yeah. doesn't do vindictive things. Yeah, but also it's very hard to it's like saying everything's good. You kind of need the yardstick of what's bad, so you have to have you can't have one without the other. Well, then, then that depends on how bad someone's treated me. I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm not just going to go, you know, walking down the street and go, oh my God, that person's got a fucking bigger beard than I have. Therefore, I'm going to go make their life shit. Uh, no, you might do. You have just become vindictive, man. <laughs> I want to say nuisance boy. <laughs> Don't worry. Petty <laughs> man will petty annoy man. you. There we go. Petty, petty man. man. Petty man. That. Yeah. So, flying man, <laughs> gauge boy, <laughs> petty man. I need. I need another. I need another name now. I'm not going. I said I'm not going for it. I don't need a name. I, I can just do the abilities. I'm not advertising it. Okay. I don't need a slogan. It's not marketable. No, not really. Yeah. Well, it's because like, you didn't you want, want to, to do public it. transport, that was the main reason for. <laughs> it, it was like to I, be able I, to fly, I, teleport, <laughs> was to avoid public transport. <laughs> was to travel <laughs> anywhere quickly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Question being, there's a business concept. That suggests that competition drives industry, and without that competition, commerce would collapse. If we had world peace, is there a chance that this would have a negative connotation in a similar but different counterintuitive way? Holy shit, that's enormous. That's a huge fucking question, isn't it? I'm going to need that again. <clears throat> is it essentially saying if, if. In short, that if there was world peace. Would competition dry up? Would competition and business dry up? I don't think business would dry up. That that is an interesting question because a lot of what what used to, well, not used to get get me thinking, but still does, is that when you go to any workplace or any company, the emphasis is always on excellence. We must be excellent. We must be outstanding. We must strive for the best to be the best. And that is a, that is in essence good. That's good management. It's a good ethic to have through any company. But you can't all be excellent but also you can't say anything else you can't be a company that's striving to be ambivalent <laughs> no 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 you can't True. well i i feel i feel like we it, you should be a you should be able to aim for average sometimes and i think the the danger in kind of putting forward a an ethic or, a, or an ideology in a company or any organization that you that you've got to strive for excellence is that it what it does is it makes me think well you can't all be excellent like um, the other day, sorry Tim, football again. Um, the Arsenal manager, um, Mikel Arteta, Arsenal lost, and they said, "Mikel, what do you think about that? What do you think about your performance?" And he said, "We weren't excellent, and that's unacceptable." And I thought, "Well, it is acceptable because you have to accept it because you lost." Mm. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have yeah. to accept it. You weren't excellent, 
and it's no good saying it's unacceptable because it's happened. So it, with with twenty teams in the Premier League, they're all striving to be excellent, and they and but the, only one of them can be excellent. But also, it, it's the manager of a Premier League football team who is essentially mainly the mouthpiece that takes all the blame for what the team does so that whenever a team does badly they blame the manager rather than blame the players yeah mm. and you know they just play pass the pass with all the managers but you, they, you know it's like you, you hardly ever see players getting constantly berated for being perhaps less than excellent the manager takes the blame because I, I think mm. that's part of his job I'm not an expert it, on football I'm just I'm but the, yeah what's across the board though I think that's because the, this is exactly what you said. I think you, you have to be the sound piece if you're a manager, CEO, and say that we're striving for this. This is what we're doing. It, it has to be excellent. You and do. It, and it has to be the, the best, or, you know, in rivals that we are going to outdo the competition. Yeah, absolutely. What else can but, you say? I mean, Doesn't I mean, that I mean, keep- I mean with, with the, the football thing again, I mean, if, if hypothetically, if you have the manager on the side of the pitch during a, during a match, constantly shouting towards a player going do do this do this do this do this do this mm. and that player consistently doesn't do that and then that team ends up losing they'll still end up blaming the manager they won't blame that player will they for ignoring the manager for an entire match no because that's because that's an unseen entity no we can see the manager talking and but shouting that, but and that all must the rest be so it, yeah. frustrating for the manager going what well, Kept, but he won't come back and say kept telling so and so to do that because you never see football managers do that. They they they, they no, never think. They, I don't think. Do they ever single out individual players? Well, they, they're, they're, they're doing that more and more. Okay. social media again. But but my 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 point is that, that there's a massive cognitive dissonance created when you say to someone you have to be outstanding and they're not because we can't mm. all be outstanding all of the time because then fact, it just cancels each other out exactly yeah and not only can we not be outstanding all the time we're actually only very rarely outstanding so i think in 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 so many sort of contexts and aspects of, of business now people are constantly being told you have to be excellent you have to be the best the best you can be but you can't also only you should one person you should also the ask them to define what what is the worst you can be as well because i bet you that yardstick's just as movable because like, yeah. everyone's going to be excellent cool so what's awful because for some people it would be anything less than that yardstick that we've just said excellent is up here well some people are awful is going to be way down here mm. but for some people I reckon it's if you don't do that it's awful if you don't hit that level yeah. awful's literally just underneath it but for some people awful's right down here yeah so I, th- I think comp- competition is good but it does create huge cognitive dissonance and then therefore huge levels of unhappiness because everyone wants to be the best but only one person can be yeah so i think that's why a lot of people are very stressed and feeling very tense i think i think if you are a driven person yes but i think a lot of people is more a factor of that they just want to get by yeah we're talking about a a I say a small percentage, but okay, people are you know they they have a standard, sure, but they're usually the ones who are the bosses or the ones who are saying who are driving the other people to do it, and it's a fundamental lie though because we know it because people we know are distinctly average, and that sometimes they do not exceed in their work because they don't care or for whatever reason and blah blah blah. But the incentive of what competition does, mm. it does drive you further. It does make you want to work harder because you know that for whatever your reasons might be, 
if you're if you're the head of a company and you've got staff, it's monetary. There's you know you want to outdo them because you know and you want to be, yeah, again be known as the better company or for example or blah 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 because then you will get end of the day, you will get the better sales. Yeah, you as a person who's on that member of staff is that you have to be incentivized for that competition. Yeah, and and also you have to be able to deal with the the pressure and the tension mm. that that generates. A lot of the driver for people being not very happy at the moment is because they're constantly being told by whoever, you know, whether that's instilled socially or economically or politically by whoever is in charge of them or whatever organisation they're in, that they have to be the best person they can be. And people aren't designed to do that. People aren't designed to be best all the time and in constant competition. And I think it, it, it causes a lot of tension and a lot of stress. So that's a Western philosophy, though, isn't it? Of that, you know, to be the best of your your capabilities and being told as a child mm. that yeah, you can do it. And it's like, well, if I can, can't give it your best. No, you really can't. Absolutely, mm. it's um a great Jim Jeffries joke where we turn around and saying that um it, China recognizes stupidity. You know that you yeah. know that they, if they're holding up the rest of the class, they are then removed from that class and put into a lower class. Because it will then stop um, holding up the, the the other members who are exceeding those sort of details of whether whether you were in an appropriate group or not, or whether the the, the students finding it difficult to access the learning and is put into a into a lower set. I mean that that's okay. I'm I'm thinking more in terms of the effect of competition, like mm. what 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 the effect yeah. competition has on someone. And I think personally, when I've been pitted against someone, that doesn't motivate me. That that demotivates me. That makes me feel like I'm in some kind of. It doesn't. It doesn't gamify the situation for me. It makes it. It makes the situation seem quite kind of dark and quite yeah, quite tough. There's also that thing of you could be really good at something and then you're suddenly pitted against someone else who's, who seemed to be, just as good as you, but you just don't deliver on that day. But because you don't deliver on that day, but you're actually excellent the rest of the time. Mm. But you will be forever. You know, you'll you'll be labelled based on the competition that happened that day, and it's like, oh well, they're clearly no good at it, and it's like, well, ninety nine percent of the time they are. It's just that that particular day they weren't. Mm. Yeah, but, that, but, but it doesn't. But it doesn't get explained away that way. Talking, about, yeah, but like talking from a from a director's standpoint of if somebody has an off day, that doesn't wash with me. Is that there is that consistency that is required to be able to do that job, and so and hence it's my responsibility to be able to keep that standard up. Not to say that we're you know straying away from from competition, but it's always in the back of my mind of uh, if we're turning like Edinburgh Fringe for example, and then for somebody who's got to go and see a, a production or a show elsewhere, and then they come to ours to go, oh, this is of a different standard. Because right. it has been drilled into the cast of that, you don't let it fall. You don't have a bad day. Yeah. See, that's that's my that's my problem. Well, that's probably where we where we differ as well. If mm. if we, for example, if we're up at the fringe and we do our thing, and you know it goes well or it doesn't go well, if I go and see a play later in the evening and it's fantastic, I don't go oh, right. Okay, ours is going to be as good as that now. I just go, oh well done, guys. That was great. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I don't, I don't like the idea of competition. Competition doesn't motivate me. 
uh, I feel like if I try and raise or ratchet up my standard to meet other people's, absolutely, I, I'm I become stressed. It stops being fun. Um, but that's just me. But, yeah. But, well, hold on, no, I've got to disagree with you on to some extent because I think maybe there is a, there has been a change of attitude because there has once upon a time where you we played in a band together. And, yeah, maybe. maybe and there yeah. have been conversations where we said, you know, what it, you know, what would you like it to be when we're playing with other bands on the bill? Mm. And I've just seen it, and I'm quoting, <laughs> is that I want them to make the bands who are on before us or after us feel as talentless <laughs> as possible. <laughs> Surely didn't say that. You did, did yeah, one hundred percent. Because oh. that's because that has stuck with me because of that attitude of that I wanted to go up there because mm. you wanted to put on such a show that the audience appreciated us more than the other bands who were playing on that night I don't think that's a bad thing it's not a negative thing to say no. I want them to do badly no at all I just want us to be the ones who are more memorable than yeah. the other ones if you see what I mean when yeah. but again okay. it is a level of competition of course it is but at the same time it's not in a sense of that I'm going to sabotage you or that I'm going to make you feel shit about yourselves mm. it's just that what I'm going to do and for the people that I'm associated with in this particular situation i.e. you know playing with the band yeah that we are going to do the best and try to outdo these people because we want to be the ones who are remembered for that moment mm. you see you see what you've unleashed. <laughs> you see, you see, with because yeah. you weren't aware of your your power as a frontman. I've, I've unleashed a golden and, and your competitiveness that you had within within music. <laughs> you created this. You created a golem. Yeah, I don't know. I I just feel like I don't know. Like Tim, like it when 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 you're. When you see an artist create a fantastic piece of, of, of artwork or you see them create a fantastic piece of graphic design, does does that make you go, that absolute ass? No, got not to at get all. To that if I see an artist that I really like do something that makes me feel good, my I it is going must try harder. That that it's like try try more. And it, 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 it gives me a bit of enthusiasm to go, cool, right, I need to go back to it. Yeah, well, try it's, a bit it's more. the same thing. It, it's mm. the striving to be better, not excellent is i mean certainly in creative industries that excellent is very fickle oh of course of, of yeah. what it is yeah. but certainly striving to be uh, for what i would perceive in myself as right try harder try better just keep going mm. and it's a, i mean that that's how i've i've kind of always been about that yeah um that's, well, essentially, that's, that's essentially what i'm saying though it's, yeah. it's exactly the same thing that i want to see if i see something that is very good i do appreciate it for being very good but then I go, right, I want to be able to get to that standard. I want to go to that. So I will then try harder. And th- that's why I'm talking in a theatrical sense. But I'm talking in a band sense of that it was very, very rare that a band would come along, for example, and would blow us out of the water. It was usually or typically the other way around. Uh, yeah, yeah. But on uh, the odd occasion, there would so, be a yeah. touring band that would, came, that would come through our, you know, town or when we went out on tour, we would mm. go, holy shit, these guys are incredible. Yeah, but then that made us try harder. Mm. So then, that's the same thing. So is that does that necessarily mean? Once again, it's trying to the line of demarcation of what is good competition and what isn't. I think competition is needed on some level. I think that's what I think is. I think it's a driving force. World peace doesn't mean one group of people will stop trying to be better than another group of people. No, true. No, exactly. And so, so if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about it in generalized terms, I don't think so at all. 
but that's incredibly overgeneralized. And also, world peace doesn't mean that there won't still be abuses of power. There'll yeah. still be power structures. Yeah. Present in the world in, in the world peace scenario. True. Yeah. Good question, though. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, competition sucks. They do it. This might be a very simple one. Who is or was the greatest frontman? Freddie Mercury. Next. Well, thing is about Freddie is that he had everything. Like he had the persona. He had the persona, the on-stage kind of charisma, but he had he had the vocal ability as well, didn't he? He he had everything. Who else had everything or has everything? I mean, for our generation, you have to mention Eddie Vedder, wouldn't you? I was about to say Vedder has got to be the only one closest, but that's I can't think of. Can you think of anyone who has been absolutely consistent in everything that they've done? Whether it would be starting in a band and then going solo, mm. for example, because even when Freddie Mercury went solo, when he did a solo album, was a banger yeah. of an album. Did Barcelona, for example, off, yeah. you know, off that? Steve Lamac did. This is going back about ten, possibly even fifteen years. Um, he did the Seven Ages of Rock BBC documentary right. mm-hmm. and one episode is on Stadium uh, Stadium Rock and it was basically that sort of towards the end of the 70s going into the 80s and, and through through mainly the 80s of when like Stadium music mm. was really really big because mm. I don't think you I don't think now you get your Nebworths and things like that where so you know because everyone goes oh they filmed in Nebworth that was incredible that yeah. doesn't you don't hear of that now you haven't done for a long time but mm. certainly during the 80s that was that was really big and the bands that were synonymous with like filling out stay and particularly if they could fill out equally big stadiums overseas particularly in the US yeah those tended to be that so Queen could do it they went because they went all over the world didn't they and mm. in fact they ended up going they ended up playing countries that hardly anyone else that I think was it South America they did a lot of South America yeah South America Budapest yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, 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 well the most famous gig that you know the, um, live in Budapest Oh, they did. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, um, so other bands around that time that were packing out stadiums, um, was that the police were while they were still together. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Sting. Um, Genesis mm. were. They were really big. Was that Pink Floyd? Yeah. Um, they, I guess it was the most accessible, you know, pop and rock music. Um, so that's where, in, so more people flooded towards it. But that's because they you're did not put get on a niche, a You're not going to get a niche genre packing out that many people because then it wouldn't be niche. No, but then you. But isn't it down to that because they actually put on a, an absolute kick-ass show? Oh, th- that too. A lot, a lot of bands today don't have the same persona, or the, a lot of bands have frontmen that don't have the same persona and personality today because there's an expectation in society that you actually have to be quite clean, you yeah, have to be kind of ethical. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I imagine people like Freddie Mercury probably, you know, he was quite a, you know, a hedonistic guy and, you know, probably did X, Y and Z that was a bit naughty. But that wouldn't be seen or reported on like it would be today. So if you take someone, if you take a frontman today from, from a sort of a prominent band, part of what made good frontmen or women good is because they they had the sort of there was sort of a danger and an edginess and a maverick to them there was a rebellion but a lot of bands these days you can't actually do that you're sort of not allowed to push those boundaries like you were because a lot of the fan base actually expect their front men to be um women to be quite quite ethical quite clean 
And I think that's why you don't get the same type of frontman. You don't get those same personas today. No, you don't. But we all love someone who is um, a bad boy or a bad girl who you know who goes against the norm or goes against the rules or bends the rules. I think, yeah, we do. But no, I think a lot of people do. I think most people, well, why did it become so prolific? You look at, um, uh, who was it? Um, the last, I think the, the the last great front man who's been, even though I don't think he, he wasn't, wasn't that particularly charismatic, but because of era and timing, mm. but was Pete Doherty. Because he, what there was something about him, even though you, well, you know, heroin, but there's yeah. but that he you couldn't take your eyes off him because of the way that he moved there was something mm. about him which you, you were drawn to and then because of his behaviors off you know in papers blah 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 off or whatever fine but he was an incredible songwriter amazing songwriter and then you know he had to go and date kate moss and was sniffing coke off whoever's asshole and all that kind of <laughs> shit you know but yeah you know but that but that then added to the the, the enigmatic and the kind of interest into that person. Mm. I still think though um, we are we're we're referencing a lot of the a lot of the greatest front men, the greatest front women. I, th- I still think we're talking about a bygone era. I, d- I don't think there's the same type of front front man anymore. I'm sure there are loads of underground. Also, I don't. I, I actually have no idea what is the definition of a good front man. Or front woman is yeah is it even musical ability yeah it might not be because you're always gonna we're surely gonna be slightly biased towards the bands that we love the most hmm. no I'm trying are we to are you able to put them all aside in favor of someone going that person over there well i'm trying to think well i mean you put it into like one direction for example ever you know there's you know can't you know never heard a song by one direction no. but i know who they are i know each you know all the different members yeah there isn't a front person there isn't one who's like you know but there is one who's more famous than all the others yeah there's personas yes exactly mm. so that's what it, is, what it comes down to that i could you could you could say as well like um for example chris cornell probably the greatest singer mm. of all time maybe certainly he's in the on rock, the list certainly in the sure. rock genre yeah but he you could you could probably say he wasn't a great front man mm. because you know he just had that natural sort of you know Laid head back down kind of and, and in the 90s like melancholy he was really intense and really sort of centered and quiet when he was on stage um but he he wouldn't say front man you would just say he was an exceptional singer mm. whereas there's something about eddie vedder's personality his persona that makes him a better front man than cornell even though technically he's technically in inverted commas he's not a better singer so it's not really about musical ability is it it's no about- it's not no it isn't no that's the thing is because you you've had many bands who they, they, they will change members especially they'll change the singer and they still succeed mm. but it's down to the succession of the music that's already written though which is interesting yeah. so for example you, know, you look at um kind of this is twofold but another great f- front guy is um Corey taylor yeah, you take him out of Slipknot, and you think is it yeah. the same band? Don't really think it is. No, that it's not, kind of no. that attitude and that grit that he has. And is mm. it is it Corey Taylor that did the side projects Stone Sour? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't have been famous without him as, as you know leading, or if he wasn't involved in in that band, for example. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Modern day, we're talking about mm-hmm. Dave Grohl. 
You mm. can't say exactly in the same vein of, of Freddie Mercury. Yeah. But in terms of being a front person. But yeah, it's interesting though, the thing you were saying earlier is that maybe I don't think of Dave Grohl because I think he's too nice. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't he's, it? He's yeah. just clearly a really lovely bloke, isn't yeah. he? It doesn't he's, make him a bad front person, though. It makes him feel like a, you know, he's fucking awesome. He's uh, yeah, he is fantastic. But at the same time, I, d- I think his sort of niceness kind of diminishes his frontmanness because you just you you want a bit of sort of snarl and a bit of and teeth I, about your frontman. I also you? I don't think of him as a frontman. I just think of him as this guy that because he's helped out a lot of other music. Because every now and again you'll get bands go, oh yeah, and Dave Grohl is was on this album as well playing so and so. He Mm. So he, mm. so he was this guy that kind of, I I think of him more of this person that helps make things happen because it's like oh Dave Grohl was involved in. Well, he's obviously a very well liked mm. individual who gets involved in all these projects, and he's obviously you know he's just a he's a you know at his core he's a he's a musician and a fantastic one. Mm. He's the Roger Federer of rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's everyone likes him and he's really. I good. don't like Federer. You don't like you Federer. Don't, how can you not like Federer? Because mate. Because like Sampras, he is so clinically good. I, it's like I, you're gonna win this. It, uh, see, I feel that about Novak Djokovic. That's why I think that he's too formulaic, and it's just all about power and domination. Whereas I, with Federer, I, my, my favorite. Thank God we've got into tennis. Um, my, <laughs> my my favorite tennis. My, my favorite tennis matches are usually when the underdog ends up beating someone. Yeah, that's because you're British, though. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, possibly. Because it's exactly I've, the same with anyone. But yeah. I've but I've always I've always liked watching someone unseated, regardless of where they're yeah. from. Mm. It's really good. I'm exactly the same with football. I'm a massive football fan. England play like San Marino. San Marino, their supporters which will they'll go in their thousands, which there's only about a thousand in their population. <laughs> their entire country. Yeah. Let's put it into context, Tim. Um, England played San Marino about four years ago, and they were at San Marino, and San Marino's captain couldn't play because he couldn't get someone to cover his shift at the restaurant he worked in. Yeah. Oh, All painters yeah. and decorators and yeah. craftsmen. That's wow. what they do. That's their main source of income. And then they go and play Ooh. for pride. And for putting the shirts on, okay, so re- actually, really, what we're talking about with like with Djokovic and and Federer is is what you want is the front. What people love is the front man sort of attitude and the front man ethic in their tennis player. That's why people love Nadal because he's just slightly cool, isn't he? He's got, he, he's a he's he's a front man. You could imagine Nadal playing for for Pearl Jam, couldn't you? Yeah, you're absolutely right though because with Djokovic, it's mm. nobody wants him to win. No. He is by far, and he will be. Oh. I hate to th- I hate to say it, but yeah. he will be the best tennis player that's that's ever been. Three, four more years, he'll have. Yeah, he'll be in Federer's records and all the rest of it, which I I don't want him to do because I prefer Federer. But it's because you like Federer, mm. and um and Djokovic does not have the affable uh, sensibility about it. There's a, mm. there's something about him which you think. Yeah, you look like Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I think he looks like a. He just he's just very, he's just very robotic, isn't he? Yeah, but that's the th- because there isn't because what what is the point of going out there, and well, I, of course there's a point. You can understand that there's a point because you go out and win, and you become a champion. Of mm. course you do. But does that mean that we have to? You have to just now push aside everything to do with style of play with flair, with passion, I mean that you have to then go into a robotic sense 
to be able to get there now is that is that now what is required because that just takes the fucking fun out of it doesn't it yeah it does but more but more and more that's happening not just in sport you know in in, in corporate terms yeah when you go into music terms of, as well going yeah. back to going back to being the front person of that you know you go out on stage you know you play your single to do a job yeah you, you sing s- in tune you sell your merch you all sober. that kind of bollocks thanks very much uh bristol good night mm. it's so like with um one of my favorite bands incubus loved them yeah, album wise fantastic went to go mm. watch them live and the most boring yeah. thing in the world. See, my my favorite band in terms of live performance and the fact that I love their albums well is Clutch. Yeah, yeah, great band. Yeah, but that's good because it's got some like Filth. hair on the testicles with it. But <laughs> the, again, the the front man quality. Yeah, uh, Neil comes across as I I I remember saying to a friend of mine when we went to see a gig and sometimes when he's delivering it, it's almost like he's coming across like a preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's it's like this incredibly fervent sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a great frontman, but you wouldn't go. He's an incredible singer. He's 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 got. I mean, he is a great singer. He's brilliant, and I love I love Clutch. But you wouldn't go Clutch amazing vocals. You would say he's a fantastic frontman. He's got he's got that persona rather than the musical ability. I think. They're the best front men, women in the world that have been in. We're talking in bands, aren't we? Mm. We never talk about them. That they have the ability to kind of forge themselves within a unity with the other members of the band, like what Freddie would do. Who would then, like Freddie, uh, Mercury, would then riff off or, or go and converse with with Brian May, mm. but with all of them, with Deacon, all of it, uh, Taylor. And then he would then have the ability because he would have the persona, the charisma, and everything, and the talent, yeah, um, to then be able to step out of that as well, and then go back into the unified sense of we are yeah. a band, we're doing this together. Yeah. I think that's a very rare commodity, and I don't think many people have had that. The only other person I can see who does that really well, and um, there's no comparison to it, but I'm just saying in, in terms of that sense, is Rue Reynolds from um, Enter Shikari okay where he has the ability to be able to come out talk to the audience or mm. kind of get the audience on side where it's just him as an individual but mm. then can go back into the into the music sense with the rest of the with the rest of the band but so, also it's a tricky thing isn't it because you, you've mentioned this a lot as a director Tom that likability factor oh god yeah and you can't do anything about that can you no it's either there or it's not no and, and, and Djokovic it, yeah it's true isn't it like I think Djokovic wants to be sort of renowned um, or or known as the world's greatest tennis player, and he could win another like twenty opens. But I don't think people will ever do that because they don't want to. Because he's he doesn't have the likability no. that Federer has or Nadal has. Well, it's like that thing, that celebration that he does at the end. You know, where he does that thing where he goes up to the audience, where he kind of like puts his hands out in a kind of, yeah. and everyone goes, it's uh, yeah. fucking bit uh. cheesy, but <laughs> all right, you've just won, so fair enough." Yeah. But no, I don't think. Yeah, I think fundamentally people just don't like him. He doesn't have that likability factor, and it's it is the same on stage mm. and performance in general. If that, if you don't like that person, they will never become a legend. They will never become that. You know that top in within that top list or your favourites. Yeah, Djok- Djokovic on stage, he bombed last time he tried. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could we ever? 
go back to no social media? Well, that is a good question. Instant gut reaction. My instant gut reaction is I'd love to. No. You can't take it all away once it's there, I don't think. I mean, I th- people, people would eventually adapt to it, but I think there'd be some people who are just going, no, this is my life. If that's all that you've had. Mm. It's, it's an interesting question, actually, because um, we are, well, not, not a unique generation, but we're, we're a generation that rem- we, we've, we sort of straddle that analogue, digital, mm. um, st- the two stages. We remember what it was like pre-social media, mm. but we've also had to sort of live our lives in with social media and using it. So that's a good question, particularly for people our age, because we remember what it was like before and 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 now you know because the thing is i think there would be there would be other there'd be other things connected to it because i think in a large part social media came about because mobile phones became common which led to texting which i think then led to social media once you had the internet coming in as well as a, as a thing being used by everybody but every single technological advance is pros and cons but it's always abused no matter yeah. what, in general. But that, yeah. that I think that's always going to happen with anything because it, any, anything you bring around with the best of intentions, there's always going to be someone who'll go, well, you haven't used it for this yet. Mm. Yeah. And that, and that could be being a massive tool and just deciding to go, I'm going to use this to abuse people online. You know, that sort of thing. So does it always fall upon the individual then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but this is but this is a problem, though, is it? Because it's not always it's not the individual. It is that it's the. Uh, I've always said, I like the person, I hate people, because when everybody gets into that mentality, because it's very easy to be swayed, mm. unless you're purposely contrarian. The the IQ gets sort of shared and divided by the amount yeah. of people in the group. Of course, it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I think it would be really easy though for us to sit here and 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 pass or or dissect social media and, and come up with the conclusion that it's all horrible and people abuse it and it's 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 horrid but actually like what what people don't talk about a lot is there's an incredible amount of benevolent charitable wonderful work mm, that happens because of social media my my partner pointed this out to me the other day someone was starting a, a you know like a GoFundMe or or a, you know a drive for this you know um, little girl in America to have an operation for and the kind of momentum and passion and finance behind all that could never have been achieved without social media yeah so yeah. I think because uh, I'm the first one to kind of dive in and and just detest and critique social media but I think it's probably good to just point out that it does actually do a huge amount of good mm. as well oh it usually does so re- really the, the the question could we ever go back from social media or could we ever you know stop using social media you know inevitably it's going to become a conversation about what's wrong with social media isn't it and there is so much wrong see how easy it slipped into what's wrong with it but but i mean that that that's a really classic example of how so because the the main thing that social media is responsible for the worst thing it's responsible for is giving people like that a platform to say stupid shit like that and what no one suspected is the fact of given a platform because we said, well, they're not saying it out to groups of people, mm. so of course they would never tweet it, but apparently they would. Yeah, it is so ironic, isn't it? Because they've got kind of that that sort of anonymity and they've got that distance. But what what they're saying very often is 
just completely unbelievable and they probably never say it interpersonally to their mate but then i have a massive gripe with also to do with freedom of speech and to do with censorship and that you should be allowed to say whatever you want to say so i don't believe in censorship but i believe in self-censorship you shouldn't have freedom of speech if what you're if what you're saying incites hate that's illegal how can you then draw the line of demarcation of what is hate speech and what isn't well yeah that that's that that's the rub that's the problem that's, isn't it that's yeah. the difficulty but a lot a lot of people out there are saying i've got freedom of speech but what if what you're saying for example promotes or glorifies rape or promotes or glorifies um racism for example then you shouldn't be allowed that speech should you but once again, it depends on the context of it. Because once, if you're okay, you talk about comedians as well. Who then who like will make rape jokes, for example. Is that it, of course it's not inciting or it's not encouraging, but at the same mm. time it is ridiculing it. So then, then, but because your sensitivity level is then different to somebody else's sensitivity level, yeah. but then they will they'll find that to say, well, you shouldn't be allowed to say that either, because that's still within the confines or within under the umbrella of this of the subject matter, yeah. which is where the problem lies, because. You like you said, it's down to the it's down to the particular individual, but it seems to be swaying towards that on any level of sensitivity now. Yeah, my 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 mate um, came up with the most fantastic um, rebuttal to something stupid he saw on the internet. I think if we all came up with just with this, the quality of response that he came up with, we'd all be fine. Someone read uh, wrote something homophobic. On, on a web on a web page my mate said it's a real pity that when you were conceived your mum and dad didn't opt for an anal session instead <laughs> <laughs> so I think unless you can come up with something that brilliant um, I think the key thing is to it's so it's so bad because when you challenge something like that what it does is it, it simply it simply fuels their yeah it risks pro- prolonging it yeah. you, you have to have a retort that will snuff out will hopefully snuff out the insult just as quickly it was as it was entered. Yeah. It's always kind of empty though because you can you know, to write a rebuttal or, you know, to write some you know, some witty Oscar Wilde kind of quip mm. or retort back. That <laughs> I may be drunk, madam, but in the morning I'll <laughs> what was it Churchill said? I may be drunk in the uh, I may be drunk, madam, but in the morning I'll be sober but you'll still be ugly. Yeah. If you were to take away social media now and go no that's it and it's only for businesses or the, or for the like yeah we would find another way yes because it's been introduced i think we would do it, even if it was in person I, th- I mean i think a lot to do with it is because because life living a huge amount of life and living is actually not very interesting and it's not very fun i remember queuing up um and co-op one day and um there was a <laughs> there was a woman in front of me and she was talking to her mate and um she went should we go out tonight and um, the woman went, well, I haven't got any money, you know, don't really want to, it's cold, but yeah, okay, suppose so. And her mate went, well, if you don't want to go out, then don't go out. And she went, no, I'll come out. And her mate went, well, why are you coming out? And she just went, I just want something to happen. Mm. And I thought, that really, in a nutshell, is most people's problems, isn't it? I think a lot of people are bored, unhappy, and, and they just want something to happen. And I think when you post online, I just, you know, I just stroked my cat. Or I just I just saw a fit bin man. 
it's because people just not only want to write that because they want something to happen, but they want someone to feed back and comment on it because they just want something to happen in, in their lives. I'm not saying these people's lives are like empty or dull because we've all done it, haven't we? We've all posted something and waited for responses. But I think social media is, has kind of given us the opportunity to get feedback on, on completely small or domestic things because a lot of people aren't very happy. So you say no. the same things they wouldn't normally say out loud but they get a chance to post it online and they've never had that opportunity before. There you go, that was so, because so of the opportunity. Yeah. So the, there's the opportunity and if all you need is tweet this morning's toast and 30, 30 or 40 people click like, that's going to encourage you to do it again. Serotonin levels, all the rest of it, yeah. Serotonin on toast. <laughs> Yummy. That's what we should have called the fucking podcast. Serotonin, Serotonin on toast. <laughs> Wow, all very good points. Um, more importantly, I want to know why Matt came up with the analogy of a fit bin man over anything else. All I can say is that Roger's got an inexplicable grace. <laughs> <laughs> and every Friday morning, I just, I can't take my eyes off him. Hey, you made it all the way to the end. Thanks for that. This is now where we need your help. You guys listening in, we want to hear your questions and your topics, no matter what it is. It could be something funny, it could be something sad, it could be something culturally relevant, something historic, a YouTube video which you found interesting, the best way to house train your pet, porn, especially porn, even some agony aunt advice about that rash which you're too embarrassed to go and visit the doctor about, anything at all, send it in to us and then we will thoroughly dissect it and examine it with our thoroughly uninformed opinions. So please get involved and you can find us at Instagram or Facebook under the name of the Three Dumb Fighters Podcast or email us directly at the Three Dumb Fighters Podcast at Outlook.com. Quick disclaimer that all questions and topics will be treated as anonymous. Thank you. Bye. The Three Dumb Fighters Podcast.